Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I'm your host, Evan Goldstein. With me as always is the wonderful Karen Randazzo. What if I fall asleep now and something happens? <laughs> and the amazing Chris Randazzo. And something always happens! <laughs> yay, you guys did a tag too, yay! We here at this week's episode talk television. This week was Chris's pick. He chose Avatar. The Last Airbender, Season 2, Episode 8, The Chase. But before we get into that, here's your weekly reminder that you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Just hit us up. We'll chat. We're friendly. All right, Chris, let's do this. We have been doing this show, this, this podcast, for 130 episodes. You are responsible for a third of those, let's say. It took you this long to talk about Avatar? Yes, yes, it did. <laughs> I was uh, pretty nervous about uh, doing this, actually. Um, it is tough to choose the right episode. It's tough to choose the right episode, and um, this show is one of those shows that just kind of means the world to me, mm-hmm. and I am well aware that it is also a kid's show, so I was like, I know you love this show, but I also know Karen's never seen this show. Really? And I have always been really reluctant to kind of show it to her because it's a kid's show. And when I watch it, it's like, yeah, I can see cheesy dialogue and all that stuff. And then I remind myself that she's a huge Harry Potter fan and Harry Potter's reminds me a lot of this in that it is, you know, it's a young adult thing and it does have lots of cheesy things in it and kids being kids. And that's kind of similar to the way this world works, but I don't know. I was just always kind of embarrassed to, you know, sit and like, attempt to sit and watch this show with her because I, I always just kind of felt like it would be dumb or she would think it's dumb. But so I was really nervous about bringing the show up on the show, even though this is one of my favorite TV shows ever. And I've wanted to bring it up since the <laughs> beginning. And uh, I finally decided I since I just finished a rewatch of it, I really wanted to because man, just <laughs> just rewatching the show every time I do, it just gets me. And so I wanted to uh wanted to finally bring it in and I, I spent a lot of time figuring out which episode to, to pick because you know when you when you talk to fans of the show like all right what's your favorite episode usually the answer is like Zuko alone mm-hmm. and that's a great episode but it's not really indicative of the show uh, it's a very it's an excellent episode but it's very different from usual episodes and which then makes there's it sta- that episode specifically stand out from the rest of them which are very you keep saying that it's a kid show and yes it does have kid elements to it but there are some like heavy emotional philosophical points to this cartoon there are it's one of the things that makes it so good it's one of the things that reminds me so much of harry potter (laughs) you know at the end of the day it's you know a bunch of kids in a wizard school but yeah they're also (laughs) dealing with really 
incredible themes. And mm-hmm. I, I'm ha- I'm halfway through my, well, not I'm not quite halfway through my Korra rewatch now too. And that one's dealing with even more uh, grown up themes because it is a you know a, a more more aimed at teens show than mm-hmm. this was. Mm-hmm. But um, what's funny so, is at the same time as you you are were doing your rewatch, Angie was doing. A, a rewatch as well and she has never seen Cora. And, oh boy. And the thing was is like I haven't watched this show straight through in a long time and I just you know watched this particular episode as I'm watching this episode she was finishing her rewatch like she was watching the last episode of this show and it okay. <laughs> For some reason, she she started to watch the final episode on her laptop where my television is right in front, and I sat there and I was glued to it. Like, the, the elements... Yeah, the last episode? Yeah. Pretty, it's pretty enthralling. <laughs> like, for a kid, it's a Nickelodeon cartoon. I, oh, God, and the way he solves the problem. Uh, but like, I don't want to spoil that you know, in case Karen ever wants to watch the show again. But, that, but to, my to, point is, is that it, it, it holds on to you, which... Not kids' cartoons don't really do. It's it's meant to kids' cartoons are meant to be bite sized so that you don't have to pay attention to it. Well, I mean, you know, to think back to some of the good ones, you know, think back to something like Justice League Unlimited, mm-hmm. like that. It was a similar situation that held on to you, you right. know, uh, even to an extent that things like Gargoyles or, uh, I mean, goodness, the the new Voltron that the the same creative team is is doing, but. Uh, so anyway, Anywho. back to picking this episode <laughs> before we go too far uh, off the, the, the beaten path. Um, the One of my favorite episodes, my favorite character in all of this is Toph. Okay. Um, I think Toph is just such an incredibly interesting character and kind of reminds me of my daughter a little bit, <laughs> how just loud and bullish she is. Um, and uh, so I thought about the episode where you know, we meet her. And then I thought that, well, well, that was the episode I did of Samurai Jack with the blind archers. And I didn't really want to repeat myself. So <laughs> I thought about, I'm sorry, Toph is not my favorite character. Iroh is, I, I'm sorry. That was, oh. a, that was a silly mistake. Uh, Cause Iroh is just the best. And so I wanted to pick something that had a good Iroh bit in it. And I love the bit where he uh, meets Toph in the woods and she doesn't know that he's Zuko's uncle and that he's been, more or less involved in hunting down her new friends uh and they're just kind to one another because iroh is amazing <laughs> um so that's why i landed on this episode it does give this episode in particular gives insight to aspects of the characters that we don't like it, it's it's not they're not their norm like mm-hmm. uh, katara being kind of bitchy yeah, and, and less level-headed. <laughs> right. Um, Toph grows into a character, like within this episode, that is a team member when mm-hmm. she started as the lone wolf. Mm-hmm. If she says, I take care of, or I hold my own, like, one more time. <laughs> and to be fair, this is only really her second episode. Right. Because we meet Toph, and then it's Zuko alone, and then it's this one. Right. These, the the, the characters themselves have so many aspects to their like such a range of character flaws and 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 positives we get to see a lot of them in this particular episode and it was it was a really good pick um well thanks but i think before we get too much more into what we think of gushing over the show i was about to say i'd really like to know what karen thinks (laughs) 
<laughs> I was wondering if I was going to get to talk this episode. <laughs> but I understand this is one of those shows that if you, you know, if you're a fan and you find another fan, you're like, all right, <laughs> it's go time. <laughs> I, I, I have my shows. I mean, you know, you guys have heard me go on about Doctor Who. So mm-hmm. um, let's keep Chris in suspense as long as humanly possible. <laughs> Pregnant pause. Don't say pregnant. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. um, so it was good. Uh, I did like it. I did not have the like, you know, oh, this is dumb. This is for kids. Like, I don't, you know, I can appreciate what it is <laughs> and and what it, you know, means to some people. I don't know whether it would have the same impact on me that it has on other people um, if I were to keep watching it. Because I think this, it seems like this is one of those shows where if it hits you at the right point in your life when you are kind of in a, a similar age to these characters, that, you know, it really means a lot more to you. Whereas if you come to something that's really popular, like way after it's come out and everybody you know is like, oh my God, that thing is so amazing. And you just don't get it because you don't you didn't get it at the right time. Mm-hmm. That's what it seems like it might be for me. Like, I get it. I think it's cool, you know, and maybe I would really love it if I kept watching it, but it's hard to say it had the same impact on me as, as it did on other people f- for me coming to it at this point in my life. And like this episode was good. It was a perfectly good episode of TV and whatever. Um, but it didn't like have a huge impact on me just cause I don't, know these characters so like all these you know big moments that happen for them don't mean as much to me because i just don't have the attachment to them which isn't to say i didn't like it it's just uh you know it affects the show's impact on me mm-hmm. yeah yeah you're coming into the to the middle of it and and that was actually another part of what i struggled with with picking an episode because um very similar to Harry Potter, these characters actually grow up. They do get older, similar mm-hmm. to the way that the characters do in Harry Potter, which is not something that happens in a lot of this kind of medium. Um, you know, so if I were to say, say, have picked the um, the pilot episode, you know, everyone's the 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 writing's a little bit tackier. Everyone's younger, and uh, the the show doesn't have quite the weight. You know, season three has the most weight, I think. Uh, season two is that perfect happy medium and you know the show never really loses it its comedy but the stakes you know the, the stakes of what you know ang as a kid has to actually deal with um and I, i'm not just drawing these parallels to harry potter because of you karen it's it's <laughs> it's just a really interesting um it's a it's, it's just an interesting point because one of the things i because i am also a humongous harry potter fan i love the books and i like the movies quite a bit <laughs> Um, but I loved those books mm-hmm. and it speaks to something that I read all of them because I am not a book reader. I just, books tend to put me to sleep, but mm-hmm. I read, I, I drank up every single one of those books. I could not put them down. Um, so the fact that uh, a lot of the things that happen in those books is, uh, it's kids having to deal with a lot of these adult situations and particularly Harry himself mm-hmm. having to deal with like just situations that are so far beyond what a kid his age should have to deal with. Right. And that's very similar to Aang, especially with, you know, once he starts really 
getting hit with the realization that you know he he's not just some you know superhero kid he is a little kid and he's portrayed as a little kid having to deal with the fact that he's the only person in the world that can stand up to an actual emperor like an adult mm-hmm. <laughs> voiced by Mark Hamill <laughs> who is incredibly powerful and he has to stand up to him and the people around him expect him to kill him and as a kid and as a monk he's so opposed to that and that's that's such a big part of this series and a big part of uh season three in particular but um it's just so interesting that there's so many parallels that uh between this and the way harry potter was written but it's it's also such a different world and such a different story and i also really like the way this um the show treats gender roles. Uh, it's something that I admire so much about this show is that there, there's very, <laughs> there's really the best. Some of the best characters are are women, and they're treated with respect. Uh, so it's some of the strongest characters well. as well. They are. I mean, Azula is way more terrifying than the Fire Lord. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Fire Lord is very powerful and and all that business, but he's not. He's not a very three-dimensional character. He's he's just awful. Yeah, he's just the big <laughs> bad guy. That's it. He's just he's the big bad, but Azula is interesting and she's just so unhinged and nasty and Is that uh, Zuko's sister? That was Zuko's okay. sister, yeah, with the creepy blue fire bending, which they never explain. It's just she that's just a natural talent she has. Well, um, well, Uncle did explain the fact that lightning is the purest form of fire. And that, Well, yeah, but that's not her lightning. Her her fire is blue. Okay, I always I always perceived that as being her tapping into that lightning. No, nah, it's just her. I mean, blue flame is hotter than red flame, you know, and she just has a, such a natural ability of just being <laughs> freaking powerful. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um. Yeah, the the again about the lore, but yeah, about the 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 women characters, and they attack some of that. Like Sokka is kind of your stereotypical male, young male character in the beginning, mm-hmm. and uh, he he learns those lessons very quickly. And the growth of Katara in this show too, where she starts off as just like barely understanding anything about water water bending, and she just becomes just so incredibly strong. And that growth is all earned in the mm-hmm. series. Um, That's one thing about that I really liked about this show, and it's it's three seasons they built off of each other and mm-hmm. they just got progressively stronger they really did it, to your point karen uh, about jumping into the show uh, i i didn't catch this show when it aired uh, i didn't get in on this show until a, a couple of years after it had ended because i i you know i didn't have access to nickelodeon i watched cora when it aired um but this one i i, I came into later and um Again, I'm not trying to specifically sell you on like we should watch this show together or something like that, but um, I I do think that if you had if you spent the time with it, that you would probably dig it. If this if this episode didn't turn you off with the the goofball sort of kids show writing from time to time, uh, I think you'd really dig this. I, I think you'd really dig the show in its entirety. I think you might get something out of it because there are so many really interesting and well written characters. Um, and uh yeah that's the, the i guess that's my piece on it i could really gush about this show uh for for ages and this episode is just it's just wonderful and core is a slightly different story because core is was written in such a different way you know this show was uh, a three book arc mm-hmm. and cora 
they didn't know if they were getting a season two. So they really kind of wrap everything up really quick at the end of season one. And then season two is just kind of starts off a little disjointed. So it never really finds the same um, flow that the, that avatar does, but um, the, the two of them together are just, just incredible. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. It's, it, it's a great show. It, like you said, it, it actively supports female roles. I mean, in, in thinking about it, two out of his three teachers are female, which mm-hmm. is shocking because they're both young and like it. It's just it was yeah. I mean, guitar learns for, for, for its time. Yeah. It it was uh, and and I it's it's so funny. I'm, I'm reading now. all these different stories. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm reading. I was just reading a story about a Soul Caliber and how ridiculous the female characters look in that, and we just went past E3 where. Uh, Sony highlighted uh, a, a girl-on-girl kiss and not like a, you know, ooh, super sexy teenager way, like it was just a legitimately touching thing, just played completely straight. And this is where we are in the world. And this show has been around for a long time and it didn't it didn't mess with, like, there's no over-sexualized characters, there's no damsels in distress, and even when there are, there are also dudes in distress. Like, it's... It's it's such a level playing field, and um, and they do deal with like cultural things like that. Like there's you know the whole culture where uh, Katara wants to learn from the watermending master, and he won't train her because she's a girl, mm-hmm. and they just push right through that, and eventually she does become not only his student but his best student. And the way that they kind of push through that stuff because it exists in society, uh, and that's cool that they attack that stuff, but also all the other characters like you know, from the Suki and the Kyoshi warriors and even just Azula and her, her two friends being they're the essentially the biggest bads and they're all three just extremely talented, powerful women. And only one of them's a bender. Mm-hmm. Azula is the only one who's an actual firebender. The other two are just ninjas, I guess. I don't know. I want to give credit to the art style of, of, of this show as well. The the fight scenes and the choreography that are displayed in animation are beautiful. <laughs> oh god, especially in this episode. Like like the st- bit when he runs into the house, the the, the empty yes. building, and Azula catches herself and then Zuko just boom falls right in. And you know what? Like I'm gonna even take it a like just the the animation style of those lizard things that yeah, the girls yeah. were riding, like it could have seemed off. But it it looked like a like I don't even know what those lizards are, but it's it's a reminiscent of a real I, I, like a gecko or, or something where it's yeah. it's running across you know land and then all of a sudden it kicks up on its back legs and that like that's from reality that's they, yeah that, they, that they type thought of, of all that, that kind of stuff and it's it's also really funny because all the animals in this show are it's one of the weird idiosyncrasies it's it, again to call back to Harry Potter where like. There are some very silly things in the world of Harry Potter, like just strange animals with weird names. I mean, heck, they made a whole movie series, Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. But uh, this, um, every animal in uh, this world is a combination of two animals. You know, mm-hmm. like it's a, there's a, a, a polar bear dog, or a, <laughs> I don't I don't know what the, the a fire ferret or something like that. But all the animals are always like some weird combination of two other animals, and 
there was that one episode in season two where uh, they meet the the king of Bossing Say and his bear. He's <laughs> like, "Oh, you mean like a bear dog? No, it just says bear." <laughs> and they're all like really weirded out by it. Yeah, it's this is a great show that tackles a lot of things. And what was what was great about it is like the two leads that that are on uh, what. Most of the show is opposing sides, which was, you know, Aang and, and um, Zuko. They show the, the growth of each of those characters when, like, they're dealing with their lives polar opposites of each other. Mm-hmm. Aang is embracing the, the group mentality and the I need to learn from X, Y, or Z. And Zuko ends up, like constantly alone because he feels that he could do it on his himself or i've learned enough from you so on and so forth but they both grow and and the show shows how how different of a path those two characters take mm-hmm. and it's impressive because you you're getting more of a story arc out of these cartoon characters than you do in most television shows <laughs> yeah it's extremely well written and it just all the more tragic that the live action movie was so bad. Yeah, it's, that's like, true. How do you how do you take this show and take all the joy out of it? Is just beyond me. It's is that another that podcast for dis- another time? <laughs> yeah, it's just disgusting. I also have to you have to give credit to the voice actors in in this. Uh, the voice talent is great. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, May Whitman is awesome in most of the things she that she does, and I think just her as Katara is such an endearing character. And uh, I'll never forget how I felt when I discovered that Zuko is Rufio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was brought to my. I I was unaware of that. <laughs> it was brought to my because I, I never really thought of that actor doing anything ever again. And I loved Zuko, and it was like. I don't know, way after I finished watching the show, I found out that he was Rufio from Hook, and I was like, whoa, all right, that's cool. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to accept this. I can't change it. Great, was awesome. great show. Um, I, I'm glad I, 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 you know, tapped in. I will be doing a rewatch of this again before, because I want to watch. I never fully watched um, Katara's not, it's Cora. Uh, Cora like straight through i caught episodes sporadically um so i want i want to do a rewatch of this to get the the full exposure and then jump into that to see how well they carried on the mantle oh just just it's this it's so different and so wonderful and the few times where you get to see all these characters from this show as adults mm. interacting with one another is is amazing <laughs> it's just amazing I, yeah and that's and that's one thing that's that even though Aang is a child in this show, he's dealing, both he and um, Zuko are dealing with very adult situations. Yeah, and, I mean, Aang is the survivor of a freaking genocide. He's the last of his entire race. Yeah, and they don't, you know, and, they don't sugarcoat that. Like, yeah, no, they, yeah, they don't, they don't dance around that. So it's impressive what they do with the, you know, three seasons of a, a Nickelodeon cartoon. So good on them. Quite. All right, great pick, Chris. I appreciate it. Yet another thing for me to rewatch and admire again. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we got some news to talk about. So stay tuned. Have you ever sat around in a basement crowded with ancient computers, wistfully remembering days gone by? Matt Much does. Far too frequently, really. 
and he continues to regale us with memories of past technology, including his decidedly understated first gaming PC. If you've ever done heavy lifting on a sick day or failed to back up your hard drive, you'll be right at home with Into the Vault, Dell XPS R400. The Wavebat Podcast's seven-episode journey through the Super Smash Bros. series continued this week, this time focusing on original adaptations of music from the various Mario franchises. From Super Mario Bros. to Wrecking Crew, the Smash series has featured some absolutely remarkable new takes on these classic songs. Join Matt and myself as we not only listen to these incredible tunes, but also give you a brief history lesson on where these songs came from. Don't miss Waveback Episode 59, Super Smash Bros. Volume 2, Mario. Season 2 of Legion has come to a close, and you better believe it was as weird as ever. Featuring everything from a snake fighting a T-Rex to the main character essentially becoming the bad guy, or the show revealing that he may have been the bad guy all along, Legion on FX isn't afraid to leave its viewers with lots to think about. What does this all mean for Season 3? Where does the show go when its main character has lost just about all of his likability? Find out in Legion of Spoilers, Chapter 19. You can catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more, right now at GeekAid.com. Hey, Chris. Hello. So you're taking over the 60-second summary this week? Yeah, I'll take it for this week. I, I got some things to talk about for uh, 60 seconds. All right, what are we, what are we, what are we surmising? Uh, I think we're going to surmise... Uh, Let's just surmise my feelings on the season one of Good Girls. Okay. All right. Whenever you are ready, sir. And go. This show is so freaking stressful. (laughs) Every single time we watched it, I was so stressed out because this show is about... It's amazing how much I didn't really think much of the title of this show until I started really watching it because it is about... These generally good people that just make all these terrible decisions and do all these awful things for some, like, pretty decent reasons, except for Christina Hendricks, who kind of, like, she just doesn't want to get out because she's, you know, all, all sucked into things. But, man, the way this season ended, where, like, boy, consequences are just, like, flying at you left and right, and I'm just stressed the entire time watching it. Like, it's really good. It's a really freaking good show, but it's also just... Oh, so so difficult to watch sometimes, and I was really pulling for Retta and her husband, and like I knew that that was good. that was the part that was stressing me out the most. I knew that those two were going to come to a head because he's a cop and she's breaking the law left and right, and that that stuff came to a point, and it made me really sad. And a lot of the show made me really sad, and I can't wait till season two. This show is awesome, and hey, more May Whitman. The end. <laughs> All right, very good, sir. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. And we're back. Thank you so much for checking out our commercials and the 60-second summary. Let's talk some news. First up, from Entertainment Online. Is that is that how, how we... Yeah, Entertainment ET Online. Tonight. Entertainment Online. Tina Fey has... Tina Fey has the perfect idea for bringing back 30 Rock and Parks and Rec. Okay. She was... Uh, at a red carpet for what the Tonys? Tonys. So, and because of uh, a, a, a thing that I was unaware of existed, apparently they did her movie as a, a musical. Mean Girls. Yes, there is a Mean Girls musical. Okay, and apparently it's very good. It won a shit ton of awards. Alleged, apparently, um, <laughs> which was funny. Uh, mean Girls was up for a stunning twelve Tony awards, tied with SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> 
<laughs> Broadway's a weird place, man. <laughs> Apparently. Um, but, like, her idea is to have the, the uh, what is it, Lisa Lemon? Liz Lemon. Liz Lemon and, uh, oh, gosh, the, the, the woman from Leslie, Leslie Nope. Nope. Leslie Nope. Jeezy Christ, my brain is just shut off. You know, have their own spinoff together. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, best idea ever. I, I don't know. I feel it's too. It's possibly too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> As the article says, not, yes, please. Yeah, yeah, it's I we. It's all sorts of doubtful to happen, but the the idea the 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 theory has been put out into the universe. There you go. <laughs> yeah, this isn't necessarily something that's really gonna be ha- really happen, but I feel like this is a question now that everyone is asked on every red carpet ever. Like, if they've had a successful show in the past, like, how do you feel about Reboot? Yeah, and especially and, now, because the Reboots are becoming way more popular. Yeah, and uh, the the quote that she gave is that Amy Poehler is willing to do a Parks and Rec reboot. So, you know. <laughs> That's know out in the I universe feel about, as well. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, because Parks and Rec is such a perfect show. Right. But... Um, but the spinoff with her and, and Liz Lemon sounds pretty friggin' great. It's, it, I just, I don't want to get my hopes up. <laughs> All right, next up from Rolling Stone, uh, the Good Place creator Mike Schur on season two's debate spawning finale. This was a pretty, this is a pretty good interview. Um, I think basically because it was done via like email, like they weren't sitting down bullshitting with each other. They, someone asked a question, someone gave a direct answer, which was great. Um, and you know what? They asked a question that I didn't even think about. Like when I watched the season two finale of, of the good place, I did not think that they were put back on earth. Didn't I did not. I thought it was just another, you thought it was another simulation simulation. I don't know how I feel about them being in another timeline of their their true universe i I don't know i feel like that's too much power (laughs) (laughs) um the interview goes back and forth it's actually very good um talks about you know ideas and and theories for the show from the show and for its future so Check that out. It's a, it's a lot of good information. Um, what I did like the best about it was he was he was straight up asked how was it, you know, directing um, Ted behind a bar again, and he's like, it, it just made sense. Like you got you got to have him cutting lemons or limes and have a you know towel over his shoulders. Just if you have that opportunity with him, you have to make that happen. Apparently, Ted Danson is like the greatest human if you talk to anybody who's ever worked with him. Yeah. Yeah. Also, them talking about when the midlife crisis scenes or the episodes where he's going through midlife. Like, we just got excited by the table read. Like, we wanted to see this happen. That It's I, I, I'm kind of jazzed to for this show to come back because I don't know where they're going to go. How like. The show completely changed from season one to season two. I want to see what what they got in store for us for season three. It's it's really great, and I think that what they have in store is whatever it is is going to be 
completely. You know, you're not going to see it coming. I, and that's what I'm hoping for. I will also say that this interview, I think, is so good. I just noticed because um, the guy who wrote it, Alan Sepinwall, he's a famous, famous, famous TV critic, and he just started working for Rolling Stone. Oh. So, of course, like, the first thing he does at Rolling Stone is an awesome, awesome interview. Good. <laughs> so, if you like good TV news, pay attention to Rolling Stone. Which is a weird, weird thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's another weird thing to say. Uh, Joy Behar was hospitalized <laughs> after she stabbed herself with a knife and a gruesome avocado fell. <laughs> I know this isn't really news until the headline she was made on me TV. laugh so fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> what made me laugh is that later, later in the article is another image of her, uh, Bachelorette alum Andy Dorfman also suffered from the same affliction. Like, stars they're just like us (laughs) yeah apparently she cut herself while taking the pit out of an avocado yeah happens i guess more often than you'd you'd expect that's what you get for messing with the devil's fruit (laughs) the devil's fruit the avocado all right (laughs) back to some some real news what uh this one up from variety.com like why why we can't why, have people? nice things why why do you have to because the straight you guys accepted the straight white male fandom sucks millie bobby Sometimes. brown leaves twitter after becoming homophobic meme she's a child leave her alone that's that's it like why like i just there is no bottom to how low the internet will go like and this is it's funny because I say all the time, everybody's been given a voice. Very few of them should be using it. Fun example. I remember <laughs> I mentioned a little earlier when I was reading this thing about how uh, the characters in Soul Calibur look all uh, mm-hmm. you know outdated. So that that article was written by uh, some woman for Co- for for Kotaku. I haven't finished reading it yet, but it was really fascinating. I found it on Facebook. And all of the comments are, look at this SJW bullshit. And, oh, of course it's written by a woman. And blah, blah, blah. That's all the comments. And there's hundreds of them just completely trashing this article because some woman played Soul Calibur and likes the game, but always kind of felt like, you know, I feel like this game isn't directed towards me because uh, Ivy's wearing dental floss (laughs) as an outfit. And uh, there's, you know, this other girl, Taki, is a ninja, and she's got, like, the hugest boobs in the world and no bra, and they're just flapping all over the place while she fights. It, and it's it's ridiculous. This is the internet. This is the, this is the people with the voices. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's a huge shame. And come on, man. Like, ugh. I mean, good for kudos to Timely Bobby Brown for just being like, you know what? Screw, screw Twitter. I'm out of here. And she shouldn't have to do that, but kudos to her for not, like, feeding the trolls. Yeah, and, and what what's worst about it is the fact that she has been outspoken for the LGBTQ community. And mm-hmm. for that her visage to be used in that manner is just not right. It's just, like, wrong. It's just a child. Leave her alone. It's... It, uh... I didn't notice this the first time I read this, but she has a secondary anti-bullying Twitter account called at Millie Stops Hate, and that is still live. 
Good. That's nice. Good. Good. Nice. Good for her. All right, Karen. This this one's for you. Um, Doctor Who TV brings us the news that Doctor Who Series 11 stars will be at San Diego. Comic-Con, that is. Um, so somebody, somebody, please, if you're listening and you have connections, get me to Comic-Con. <laughs> now, I was confused at how the last, you know, one of the last lines was written. Um with this year's highly anticipated season packed full of action, adventure, humor, and emotion, the panel will be cast the cast's first ever panel appearance ahead of Doctor Who premiering ahead of Doctor Who premiering this autumn. So is that does that mean it's the first time they're at San Diego or they're at that's the first time they're at San Diego before the show happened? Uh, I think it means it's the first time this cast is appearing okay on a panel. Okay. All right. Interesting. Well, that's the right place to be. Yeah. Like San Diego. I mean, it's definitely going to be as interesting. As, as long as you're not talking about comic books, San Diego Comic Con's the place to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's sad because it's true. <laughs> so, yeah. The, uh, da, 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 Whitaker. Wow. Mandip, Mandip Gill. Tossin Cole. Like, bunch of the cast members and uh the showrunner will be uh on a panel which is cool interestingly not the old guy whose name is escaping me we'll just call him the old guy old guy magoo <laughs> you'd know the old guy from the british law and order chris oh, knows yeah. who i'm talking about i no. love that guy no he's on it but he's I, not I gonna be at this panel yeah uh, he's probably got old guy stuff to do <laughs> <laughs> He's probably got old guy stuff to do. All right. This next one up is from TechRadar.com. Um, Telltale is doing a game about Stranger Things. That's pretty cool. I like I like the visuals of Telltale games. I've never actually played them. Yeah, me neither. And I've always wanted to because I like point-and-click adventure games. And these are, like, <laughs> less obtuse than the ones that I like from when I was a kid. Right. Uh, they're 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 basically just interactive novels, I guess, or like interactive TV shows, more or less. And, right. Uh, they're cool. I like that these are a thing. And uh, yeah, it I, seems that Stranger Things is such a perfect setting for their type of game. That's true. And it seems that Telltale has a, a an ongoing deal with Netflix. They're am I reading it right that they're bringing some sort of Minecraft thing to Netflix? <laughs> I think so. We're delighted by the response we're seeing to the idea of Minecraft story mode coming to Netflix in the fall as an interactive adventure. That's interesting. That sounds like a thing that's going to be on the kids half of Netflix mm-hmm. and kids are going to love it. And the kids these days <sighs> with their yeah. rock music and get video off my games. damn lawn. <laughs> Loud music, hula hoops, and fax machines. <laughs> Uh, so we'll keep an eye out for that um definitely i'm gonna i want i think that i think that may be that because i really liked stranger things and all the other um telltale things that i have seen have been like (coughs) obscure comic book related or like batman and i want to see what they can do with the a, a television universe so i'm gonna check that out all right next up from tvline.com um, Game of Thrones will not be at San Diego Comic-Con. 
Is it suddenly about comic books? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Probably <laughs> doubtful. Um, they're saying that it's a timing thing because stuff will be over before San Diego, so they don't have anything to promote. So no Game of Thrones, no Westworld. That's that's interesting because HBO has that's the way their calendar is is running this year. Yeah, but but HBO has always had a, a rather large presence at CD uh, SDCC. I, I wonder. Yeah, it's not exactly like they're itching for it. Like they don't need the help. No. Yeah, I mean it's the last season. If you're gonna watch it, you're gonna watch it. Well, I, I, if they're talking about doing the spinoff or like. Yeah, I'm sure once there's more, you know, to be said about that, then they will, you know, show up at every convention and. You know, <laughs> and I mean, I think about stars. it. If you're if you're HBO and your main thing that you have going is the premiere of a popular show of yours that's not coming back for like eight months, <laughs> what are you going to talk about that and is not going to give anything away? It's stupid expensive to get in there as well, so they're not yeah, going to get a, a return on their investment. What's the point? That's a lot of cash to throw. Not that they don't have the cash to throw, but you know, why Save throw it, it if you put it into something else? To. All right. Next up, Polygon.com. Rick and Morty co-creators promise no more big gaps between seasons. Okay. Good. Well, since they just got an or uh, season thirty season order of eight hundred and fifty <laughs> episodes or whatever it was, they're darn well better not be. All right, we'll narrow that down a bit. Seventy more <laughs> Rick and Morty episodes. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. Like if if they got the upfront saying go ahead, make seventy episodes, sit in a fucking room and make those seventy episodes. Plan out vacays. I get it. You you need some time off. But don't hey, what was it, two years? In between seasons or something ridiculous like that? Yes. Uh, no venture brothers, but uh, they're they're inching up there. <laughs> the the quotes from this article are all from Justin Roiland, and uh, one of the things he says is, is Dan Harmon's in great spirits, which makes me think that like problems that Dan Harmon has had putting out TV in the past is like he was just in a bad place or something. <laughs> yeah, he was he was in a bad mindscape, so we had to give him time. <laughs> but he, but he's doing really great now, so you should get your episodes of TV, no problem. So good, I am, I am excited, and we'll see what they can churn out. Especially if they're, they're, you know, one after another, after another, after another. Yeah, they'll hopefully they'll get a nice rhythm going. Get some good Rick and Morty out there. Uh, this next one breaks my heart. GeekRant.com, Firefly's 15th anniversary video features new footage of the Serenity from the original BFX team. Now, yeah, it's been 15 years. Uh, it's highly unlikely we'll ever see them again. I've come to this understanding and, and accepted it. Um, this little vignette makes me realize how much I actually do miss it and how good of a show I felt it was. So... Check it out. It, the, the video, it's, I don't know, it's like four minutes long and it shows highlights and, and, and additional special effects and whatnot. It's, if you are a Firefly fan, definitely worth the watch. It's also, it's also engaging as like a really good commercial for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, all... And it makes you realize like how good the special effects work was on that show. 
Yeah. I'm uh I'm sort of casually rewatching it. Um and not just the special effects, but the show is just so fucking good. Yeah, you know what I liked uh, the best about this vignette is you couldn't tell the difference between the show's special effects and the movie's special effects. Yeah. Like, they were spot on, seamless, high quality special effects. I mean, I could tell, but I'm a nerd. Yeah, because you know what where they're from. It's not fair. <laughs> it's still really good TV. It's 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 always been really good TV visual effects. But I could, I mean, I I, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but I think the difference between the visual effects in the show and to the movie are like night and day. Mm. I mean, the TV show's visual effects are fantastic, but I mean, boy, just just seeing the uh, the you know the Serenity and and all the 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 space effects and whatnot just working in overdrive in that movie is was was so incredible. <laughs> I nerded out about it. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Um, just so you guys are, you know, my my crew, Karen, Chris, I'm skipping the next one, and we'll talk about it after. You know, we'll lump them two together. But the next one up is from Deadline.com. Apparently it worked. Lucifer was saved by Netflix. They're getting a season four. So apparently all the crying and whining and begging Parked. Belly aching. Belly aching. They got it. So season four of Lucifer will be on Netflix. It's interesting how, like, has it, it's been two shows. It's only Lucifer and Brooklyn Nine-Nine that were saved after cancellation, right? Seems like a uh, big. Yeah, like network shows. Yeah, it seems like a big deal. And there was another one from sci-fi, wasn't there? Oh, the that's Expanse. The Expanse. That was yeah, a big deal. Yeah, that's why I that said was network. Also, so... It's good that that the the shows that have the following are the following is making themselves known. Like because of of the world that we live in now with um DVRs and and streaming services and whatnot, like it's it's harder for a network to tell who's watching what. And when the people who are actually watching the shows can go out and go, "Hey, hashtag this or hashtag that." And literally letting their voice be heard, it's a good thing when we get results like this. They wanted the show on. It's still on. So we're going to see more Lucifer. I like the show. I think he's amazingly charming for the devil. All right. Maybe our government listened to us the way our television <laughs> networks would, you do. You would think it would be that easy. All right. So the next two... Um, I don't know. It's kind of, I don't know how I how I feel about the situation. I I do know I have a very distinct opinion about the response to it. Apparently, um, Chloe Dykstra, who was a girlfriend, an ex girlfriend of Chris Hardwick from Nerdist fame, um, and the Wall and Talking Dead and something else. This is funny because when this story broke, Karen. Every time per time it came up, Karen mentioned the wall. You just mentioned the wall. This is the first time I've ever heard of the wall. I have no idea it's, what that is. It's it's a game show. It's the, it's the most. It's his newest endeavor. Um, that and uh, the talk show that he's doing. I think it's just like it's called talking. Talking. Um, wow. 
Way to swing for the fences on that title. Yeah. <laughs> right on the nose. Um, she wrote a, like, just like a, an open letter, almost, about her experiences with her ex-boyfriend. She doesn't name him by name, but everybody knew who she was talking about. Now, whether they knew who she was talking about because they knew who she was dating or the way she explains him, it's not unbelievable. Um, mental abuse, it, it, it's not good, okay? With all of that happening, AMC has pretty much scrubbed all of Hardwick's visage on everything. He is he has been removed. Uh, the Nerdist has scrubbed him away. I mean, he technically doesn't own Nerdist anymore. He sold it to Legendary, I think. Mm-hmm. And he, but he was still on there. You know, he was still part of it, and. That's not the case anymore. Now, the biggest thing, and this is like someone from nerd culture being brought up or being accused of such things. You can you could see how that has ruffled a lot of feathers. And the biggest thing that I have seen repeated over and over and over again is whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty. And I have two responses to that. One, innocent until proven guilty is in a court of law. Exactly. Okay? So, if he's not being arrested for anything. He, if he, it, this is dealing with his job. Okay? You can be fired for just about anything. Okay? They want to distance themselves from him and his bullshit. Reputation. That's, that's their choice. Secondly... Innocent until proven guilty usually comes up when you're being charged with something. And if someone is being charged with, with something, they are usually arrested. So they can't proceed to live their normal life. They can't continue to be on television. They can't continue to make money. Like, their life stops. They may get their life back once they are proven innocent or not guilty. But life gets interrupted. And that's the case here. His life is very successful life is being interrupted if he wasn't okay i the worst part about it is i do not have any problems believing that something like this is possible mm-hmm. i've heard him do interviews i've heard him talk i've heard him talk about himself because that's 99% of his interviews is him talking about himself I, it's i it's, i don't have like this isn't a shock to me. It's upsetting because, you know, he was pretty squeaky clean for quite a while. But it's it's a it's a it's an unfortunate situation that needs to be rectified and that is what's happening. This story super bothered me for like a couple of days and it took me a little while to figure out why. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is because her account of things uh, rang very familiar, not necessarily of my own personal experience, but uh, people, you know, I've heard of women being in relationships like this. And, you know, th- this is a, a typical abusive situation. Mm-hmm. 
and it's it breaks my heart in a way because this is one of those things where people tend not to believe the victim or are looking for a reason to like, well, why didn't she leave this and that and the other thing? And she she goes into a little bit of that in her in her post about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really really bothered me about it was was how little um, trouble I had believing it because I I certainly don't want to paint all of nerd culture, all of geek culture, all of anything with a wide brush. But a lot of uh, members of straight white male members of the geek community are toxic and horrible to women. And here's their king. And we were just, you know, being shown that that he he's their king for a reason. Like, he's not just a king of, like, Oh, you know, I know all the coolest nerd things. He's also the king of that type that that type of attitude. And he's it- he's always been an odd bird. Like he had um and it's funny because I am in the process of moving and I was packing away some books and I have his I I'm air quoting self-help book mm-hmm. The Nerdist Way where which is, I've read. I I, I as well cuz I own the book. And all it is is a standard self-help fair, nothing new. Like, he does not reinvent the wheel. He actually took the wheel and painted nerd culture on it just to make it palatable for another group. And he he is so about himself that all of the situations that are described in her, her, her write-up aren't far-fetched it makes sense like okay I, I get that and that's a shame because he was or well yeah was the king of the, the geek culture he was you know he ran that empire for a while who's who eh. it's a shame it really is and i feel bad for for chloe because she was young and she fell for a much older man who happened to be in the same universe as her. Like she was a she was a geek, and like you know, the king geek said, "Hey, you look, I like you. Let's 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 be a thing." Like I get it, and she did the uh, hoping that things will change, and that's that's very very unfortunate for her. And I and I hope like the truth, the the full truth comes out. Yeah, he is of course denying any of this. He is denying sexual. It was sexualist uh, something. It was it was a very distinct. I'm trying to remember where. I think it was just denying that there was any sexual assault, sexual abuse. That without did not sex. Hold on, it's in the other article. Scrolly, scrolly, scroll. And it's like, fuck, it's not there. Um. He, yeah, he took a very specific thing and said, I did not do that. Not that I didn't make her life miserable or anything like that. Like, he said, nope, this one particular thing I did not do. Well, because I I think it was most important to him to to deny those allegations because those are the legal ones. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So, like I said, AMC has parted ways. Um, 
We'll see what happens he, because he, he was won't like be the, at Comic Con. Yeah, he was he there. Will not be hosting any of the. He won't be hosting the Doctor Who thing. No, they'll just have to get Kevin Smith to do it. <laughs> God, oh God in heaven! <laughs> that man could talk. I'm okay with it. This whole thing is just so gross. It is. It really is. Her, her, her. Like, and it was. I, I, I wish I could. Rem- what was the name of the 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 place where she wrote it? Medium. Medium. And I'd never heard of that huh, medium before. Um, but I read her her whole story and. She told her her side, like what she never like. Mm-hmm. She, it it didn't come off as malicious to me. Like it wasn't like she was she was saying these things to do damage. It it, it felt to me as I was reading it that she was she was writing this essay to make to to bring closure for herself. Yeah, it seemed very. It felt very cathartic. And unfortunately. For some, that catharsism has, a, you know, a very sharp edge, and Chris Hardwick is going to have to deal with that. So we'll see what happens. Um, all right, another upbeat news article from the Hollywood Reporter: uh, The Roseanne spin spinoff clears key hurdles as negotiations heat up. Okay, everything so far in this story i'm okay with um because the network is saying this will not happen if roseanne barr makes a goddamn cent off of it (laughs) as long as she has nothing to do with it monetarily we're in no no production value nothing we want her out and she this is this is the first this is the first that i'd heard that um that this is actually a, a potentially real thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I I really thought this whole idea, this whole concept, was dead in the water. But no, they're really pushing for this. They really and I don't understand. See this happen? I don't understand why they're pushing so hard. I mean, ABC. I think it's because the people that were involved in creating it, like the what's Sarah Gilbert, mm-hmm. like really believed in this, the concept of this show's. You know, the message and the type of people that this show represents, um, you know, having a modern take. And uh, I, I, I can't, I mean, we've, we've talked about this, mm-hmm. like the idea before we really kind of, I mean, I didn't know Roseanne was a complete piece of shit. <laughs> uh, you know, we talked about how we would be into that kind of a thing because mm-hmm. it is, it's a cool perspective to see on the world right now. And we grew up with that family and uh we like a lot about it, and I mean, who doesn't love John Goodman? I'd hug that man. That's, that's but, uh, very true. The problem uh, that I ha- that I see is they keep saying that it was the highest rated show for ABC in a, a long time, kind of thing, and with the key character being removed from it, I I don't think they're going to get the same response. As they did for the first season. No, goodness, no. I don't think they're they're going to get anywhere near it. Because us normal thinking people will be like, all right, I'll catch it when I can catch it. (laughs) Those that are on the side of Roseanne Barr and her ideologies, those are the ones that'll sit there week in and week out to hear her do her Roseanne Barr thing. I want it to succeed. I want the sane people to to still have a job and make their their monies 
I just I don't I just don't have high hopes for it. I I mean it, it the thing is it made, makes me genuinely wish that they didn't do what they did in the first place and like they went more the fuller house route instead of uh you know just making Roseanne continue like here's a new season of Roseanne if they had actually just went like well, with this next generation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That that kind of approach. Roseanne the next generation. <laughs> Well, I think this the I I think that the uh the spin-off whatever they're calling it could really be something good. Uh, it, it would be all the good parts of the show that I want to see without the shitty parts that I don't want to see. So, like, I don't see the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd watch the shit out of it. Yes, yeah, that that's uh, I'm with you. I would actually watch the Sarah Gilbert uh Roseanne remake thing cuz it's basically like, all right, I don't have to support Roseanne in any way shape or form I'm sold yeah but see like here's the thing you me Karen we all had that notion before we found out that Roseanne was a piece of shit and none of us watched it (laughs) I think we found out that she was a piece of shit before yeah Mm. um because that in the lead up to the show there was she wasn't you know outright racist or anything in public but she was uh you know loud passionate trump supporter and that's what turned us off to watching the show mm-hmm. all right well here's hoping for the best for them and the and the rest of the casts well if any more news comes about we will let you know um next up from tvline.com i <laughs> I have no idea where this character is from because they say the Flash and then the Arrowverse and whatnot. The Flash promotes Hartley Sawyer to series regular for season five. That's not a real name. Get out of here. (laughs) That doesn't seem true. Um, But (laughs) they had the elongated man on Mm -hmm. the Flash? The Flash, yes. Okay. That's interesting. DC's take on Mr. Fantastic. Did you see one him? of DC's takes? That's on true. Mr. And there was two. <laughs> this is more. This is closer to Mr. Fantastic because the other guy was just silly. Um, so, and I don't like the fact that the, the the actor first appeared on the Arrow offshoot. You know, Flash has done pretty well on its own. You could just say the Flash. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I call it the uh, the Flash verse instead of the Arrow verse. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I have no basis of information for this story whatsoever. Are you going to catch up on the CW this summer, Evan? Yes. Okay, yeah. good. I'm in the process of, you know, making it so that can happen, How, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, wh- who is he? What, what do I... Do I? Should I care? Uh, I mean, he's a pretty big part of the team. Okay. Uh, once you, you know, once you get on board with the new season, you'll you'll see. Okay. I mean, he's a pretty good representation of that character. Whether or not that's a good character is up for debate, but he's a good representation of that character. Well, I, rem- I remember that character. Oh, let's see. He was serious. He was a cop or a detective at one point in time, or a private investigator. I feel like he's... I don't know if they're molding together some more of his personality traits with Plastic Man. He's not as goofy as Plastic Man, but he's still pretty goofy, right? I mean, Elongated Man was the one that had that little, like, nose twitch thing going on. And Did that's he? in the show. You know, he doesn't have the big, goofy Plastic Man glasses or anything like I that. the Elongated Man was the serious one. 
I know that's how they portrayed him in um, what is it, Identity Crisis? But right. I feel like before that, he was not quite. I don't think he's quite the goofball that he was in this show, but he's certainly not like the living cartoon character that is Plastic Man. But I don't know. I don't right. know enough about DC's stretchy guys. It just <laughs> yeah. the, what I've what I remember about this character seems to be spot on. I remember when they did the nose twitch in the show, and I was like, "Hey, they did the nose twitch thing. That's okay. pretty cool." Because I remember his well, trading they, card from right, when I was a little they, kid if, had him doing the nose twitch. If they're pulling like that kind of thing, it's probably from his DC character, DC comic character. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so that's good. If I I, I don't know how to feel. <laughs> I know there's at least one Flash fr- fan out there, a friend of ours, who's going to be pissed about this because she just hated this guy. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. I mean, he it, he could be something of an irritating character. So it, it's it's uh, Legends of Tomorrow fodder next season. Uh, depends on how you feel about him. I mean, I don't know. Okay. I, I, I think by the end of it, he didn't bother me as much, but there was definitely times where I was like, is annoying af <laughs> like last la- not last season but the season before of um flash where uh yeah. what's his face? he wasn't quite hr he was it was wells but he wasn't wells and eventually he just became the most useless thing in the world that this season is that guy the elongated man like he was pretty useless for a good chunk of the season really a, and a then powered and then they found like a thing for him to, you know, a way to factor him into the story. They in a needed major way. something from the top shelf. <laughs> <That's> gotcha. <exactly. laughs> All right. Well, I'll. I went, once I catch up, I guess I'll give more of a crap. <laughs> and finally, from the Hollywood Reporter. Um, okay. <laughs> this, how is Star Trek Discovery showrunners out? Alex Kurtzman to take over. This is not the first time this has happened for this show. As I'm reading this this article, how is this show still going? They seem to be having issues. This also seems to be, well, first of all, it's on CBS. That's true. And it's on CBS, whatever. It's the flagship of their digital platform. So, so if they really don't give a shit about their shows on television... They probably don't give a shit about their stuff even further out, like their internet-based stuff. Like they'll stay on forever and ever. I, and I mean, ever. they have to have something. They have to have something on there. And um, <laughs> I mean, people will watch Star Trek. That's Star true. Star Trek fans will watch Star Trek no matter what. That's true. So, but better and different. Apparently, a lot of. It ruffled feathers and people not getting along and there's a regime change so I, I haven't seen a single second of this show so i can't say whether it will be better or different um it's it's interesting that there's still a star trek show on the air it's a shame that it's on a cps internet-based service that you have to pay for I don't, that I, well. I don't know, man. I mean, for us, it's a shame, but I think CBS like really knows what they're doing here. Really? Why? Yeah. Out of curiosity, what makes you feel that way? 
I feel like there's plenty of people out there who are like, you know what? I love Star Trek that much that I am going to pay for this thing because it's the only way to see it. And that that their, C- their CBS is like, it's a very smart business decision for them because they know they have a built-in audience that will, you know, a built-in customer base. Like, these people, if we tell them we have this thing that they can only see this way, they will give us their money for it. And I think that they're right. I think plenty of people did. Because this show does, I mean, I hear I hear great things about this show from people who care about it. Interesting. I was never a Star I'm Trek guy. I'm not one of those so people, but. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I did, you know, I couldn't tell you a good Star Trek from a bad Star Trek. So. All right, well, there it is. That's all the news that's fit for us to talk about. It's warm. Let's finish this up. Chris, you got a, you got a spiel for me? I do. I'm I'm just finishing up something and uh, good times. I don't know. We'll see. Because I'm also sure that you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook with both the Geekade page and the This Week's Episode page. Find us on Instagram at Geekade. Subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content. And follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade. Or follow this show specifically at Twepcast. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Geekade Chris. That's Geekade K-R-I-S. Karen, where can the good people find you? Shoot underscore the underscore moon. And Evan, where might you be found in the Twitterverse? Geekade underscore Evan. Thank you, guys. And if you're interested in more information about anything we discussed here tonight, be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher, where if you're super nice, you can leave us a review, because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com, where we post something new as often as we can. Back to you, Evan. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. All right. Um, here's the deal. Um, I have to take off for the next two weeks because, like I said, I am moving. And then that, after, like the weekend after the second recording is my comic convention. So I'm going to have a busy couple of weeks. Um, so I am going to say my show... And we will talk about it when I return. What's going to happen in the meantime? I don't know. That's up to Karen and Chris. I'm letting them. I'm giving them the keys to the car. They can joyride wherever they want. So I have yet to watch this. I am interested in it. We are going to watch Cloak and Dagger season one, episode one. Oh, good call. First light. I am curious to see what the hell the show is about. And why not force you two to watch it as well? <laughs> So, your homework, and you have a long time to do it. Cloak and Dagger Season 1, Episode 1, First Light. That's it, people. Thank you once again for joining us here. From all of us here at this week's episode, I'm Evan. I'm Karen. Boomerang! <laughs> Good night. And this concludes our broadcast day.